Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois And by EasternChristianMedia.com A broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's EasternChristianMedia.com Christ is risen. Indeed, He is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya here again with Katie Goulis. Katie, Christ is risen. Indeed, He is risen. So here we are, still in the midst of the great season of our Lord's resurrection, the Paschal season. Of course, we send special greetings of Christ is risen to our Orthodox brethren who celebrated Easter one week after many Eastern Catholic calendars did, and that's oftentimes the case. It's usually off a few weeks or a week or whatever because the Eastern Orthodox churches still observe the so-called old calendar for Easter. Many of them have changed for Christmas, in other words, on the Gregorian calendar, but for Easter, they've kept it on the ancient calendar, the Julian calendar, whereas most Eastern Catholic churches, not all, but most Eastern Catholic churches have changed to the Gregorian calendar. So we would have Easter the same time as the Latin Rite Church and as the basically the secular world. But again, we say to our Orthodox brethren, Christ is risen, indeed is risen, Christos vos cres, voisino vos cres, Christos anesti, alethos anesti. So, I said it in English, Slavonic, Greek, and Arabic. Speaking of the great season of Pascha, one of the many, many customs we have have to do, of course, with food, right? Katie, we're always having something to do with food. <laughs> Along, of course, with the ultimate food, the spiritual food of the Eucharist. But there's one custom called the custom of the artos, which is a particular bread that is blessed and distributed during the Pascha seasons. It could be blessed on Easter Sunday and or on Thomas Sunday or on the Saturday before Thomas Sunday, the day before Thomas Sunday. Pastorally, I tend to do it on Thomas Sunday itself because it works very well pastorally. And uh, tell us a little bit about this custom in the many of the Eastern Christian churches, both Catholic and Orthodox, around Easter time of the artos. Well, Father Tom, we never do something just to do it. There's always origins somewhere <laughs> in our rich history or in the Bible. And the origin of the blessing of bread can be found in the Old Testament, where we read that on a table set on the right side of the sanctuary of the temple were 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And this bread was replaced each Saturday or Sabbath by the celebrating priest, who alone was permitted to eat this bread. 
the Holy Bible does tell us about the exceptional case when David and his soldiers were permitted to eat the bread because of being near starvation. As the unleavened bread had a great significance to the Jews in the Old Testament, so the artos has for us in the New Testament. As Bishop St. Cyril, the great writer and preacher in the 12th century, writes, As the Jews in Egypt were preparing unleavened bread for their big journey through the Red Sea, and after crossing the sea, they did eat the bread. So we, Christians, saved through the resurrection of our Savior from sin, lift up the artos, which is exposed on the table during Bright Week, and eat it on Saturday, or as Father Tom said, we eat ours on, on uh, Thomas Sunday, the last day of Bright Week. As the unleavened bread was eaten for the health of the people who ate it, so is this bread given for the health and sanctification of our soul and body. This example, which was set by the apostles, is still followed in many monasteries and in some parishes like ours today. After the holy liturgy during Bright Week, with the singing of Christ is Risen, the celebrant elevates the artos and carries it from the church to the monastery dining room, or we put ours on a little table. In the church. In the Mm -hmm. church, right, Mm -hmm. off to the side. And after dinner, he again elevates the bread and welcomes the brethren with the words, Christ is risen, and they respond, indeed, he is risen. The celebrant then takes the artos bread back into the church as the singing of Christ is risen continues. If you haven't noticed, we sing this a lot (laughs) during this season. I mean, you'd think it it gets monotonous, but it really doesn't. Um. May we note that in the Byzantine Church, at the Vespers, Solemn Holy Days, we have the blessing of five loaves of bread, wheat, wine, and oil. The celebrant in prayer asks God to bless these loaves, wheat, wine, and oil, and multiply them in this city and throughout the world, and to sanctify the faithful who partake of them. The blessing of the five loaves brings to mind the miraculous act of Jesus Christ when he blessed the five loaves in the wilderness and thus fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. The blessed bread should remind us of heavenly bread, the Holy Eucharist, our daily bread, which we need in order to sustain our spiritual life. In the first centuries, when services called an all-night vigil, this bread was distributed to all participants to give them the strength the body needed to fulfill the all-night vigil. Yes, and the all-night vigil was normally a fast because you were preceding or anticipating a great feast you know, a holy day. So the normal way, of course, as we've said many times here in Light of the East, for preparing for a great feast is by doing penance, penance and fasting. But since you were staying up all night, essentially, praying and fasting, you need a little strength to get through that night, through those rigors. And so they would allow for a little bit of bread and wine. And we carry that custom in parishes, in most Eastern Catholic parishes, we carry the custom over to the weekend or to Sundays because it's a way for the whole community to partake of that particular custom. And speaking of the whole community, that's another reason why we celebrate the Artos bread custom, because, and especially on Thomas Sunday, because that's the Sunday that has a theme of kind of a homecoming, of coming back together, because that's when the apostles were first back together again in the upper room after the resurrection of Christ. They had scattered in fear and bewilderment, but eventually as they heard the resurrection, began to believe, they came back together again. This time Thomas was with them. Finally, they were all back together And so we have a kind of a theme of a homecoming. So we do the same thing in the parish because in the Eastern churches, our liturgy is a way of immersing us into the reality of the scriptures. In other words, we become the scripture. We just don't read the Bible. We become the Bible. We become those figures in the Bible and we do so in a very real way, which is also a mystical way. In other words, it's a way that's beyond explanation, but it's very real. That's what we mean by mystical. And the thing that does that for us is the liturgy. In other words, through the liturgy, we mystically enter into the scriptures and become those people. We become those apostles in the upper room. The church becomes, in a sense, the upper room where we're united with Christ and we all, as Thomas did, 
profess our faith in the resurrection by saying, my Lord and my God. And so the Artos bread is symbolic of our coming together, partaking of the one bread. And of course, it's an extension of the ultimate union in bread, that is the consecrated bread of our Lord in the Eucharist. So as you're saying here, Katie, we do a lot of what's called sacramentals. In other words, we use stuff, we use things, <laughs> things man-made like breads and so on prepared in kitchens or things from the outside like pussy willow branches and flowers and oils and things. And we bring those things in or herbs and we, we bless them and we use them. So we sort of bring all of creation together in a sacramental kind of moment. And we unite through liturgy, scripture, time, love, God, community, nature, the whole world, the whole cosmos, the entire created order becomes united as one in the liturgy. That's the mystery of the liturgy and why it is so essential to make liturgy, you know, going to church, a mainstay of our existence. We say in the Eastern churches that life is liturgy and liturgy is life. There is no separation. That's why you also refer to our homes as the domestic churches. That's why we take things home like blessed bread and blessed items so that we sort of stretch the experience of liturgy into our homes. So there's a continuity between our life lived in home or in the workplace and liturgy itself. It's not compartmentalized. It's not something where we, where we go to church, okay, we satisfy our obligation, now we can go to the game and you know kick off our shoes and get down other things. Well, yeah, we're supposed to enjoy life on Sunday, but they're supposed to at the same time be this continuity. And the thing that helps that happen are these things that we call sacramentals. In other words, not just the sacrament itself, but extensions of that in other things, such as the artos bread or blessed branches or flowers and oils and so on. So again, we live liturgy. Particularly at this time of the year during this Paschal season, we use all kinds of things from God's creation and God's nature because all things have been renewed. All things have been renewed. Before we get any further, I want to once again send greetings out to all of you who have been listening to us, especially on Living Bread Radio in the Cleveland, Akron, Canton area, and also Immaculate Heart Radio out there in California. Many, many avid listeners from both of those networks. So again, uh, these are EWTN affiliates and want to say hello to all of you. And again, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. During these Sundays after Pascha Sunday itself, Easter Sunday itself, we've been talking about in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, the Sundays such as Thomas Sunday, as we mentioned. Then following that, of course, we heard last week on about the myrrh-bearing women, right, Katie, which you were one of them, right? One of the myrrh-bearing women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now we come to the Sunday of the paralytic. Now, what's significant about these Sundays is they all have baptismal themes in them. They all most all of them have something to do with water and of healing and of renewing. And today is the Sunday of the paralytic, which we read from John's Gospel, chapter 5. Now, what's interesting about this, as always, is through the scripture reading, you know, the theme of the day, and through our liturgy, in other words, the way the liturgy presents it, sort of meditates on it, sort of draws us into the reality of the scripture, what happens is we get something that I think is an example of the relevancy of Eastern Christian spirituality. In other words, Eastern Christian spirituality, the, the, the Church of the East, is not just a history lesson, but rather it is very relevant for our time, as relevant as it always has been. It has a timeless kind of perennial quality to it, 
which I think is particularly relevant today. And I'm going to talk about that relevancy when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Katie Goulis on Light of the East. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Pope John Paul II once said, Humanity, its dignity and its balance, at every moment and on every place on earth, will depend upon who he is for her and who she is for him. I am Father Thomas Loyer with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Why are we a man? Why are we a woman? Unless we know the why, we do not know the how to be man or a woman, and therefore we do not know how to really be for each other. The why behind being a man or woman is told in the theology of our gendered bodies. Our bodies speak a language. Gender reveals God. Through gender, we can actually participate in the way that God loves us. We can love as God loves. Human sexuality is an icon of the very interior life of the Holy Trinity. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Lawyer on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. And again and again we say... Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. To all of you, especially Orthodox brethren who more recently entered into the Paschal season. Now, I mentioned before the break that this Sunday in the Byzantine Catholic liturgical calendar was the Sunday of the Paralytic. This is a story in John's Gospel, chapter 5, where, remember, where the people would sit around this pool called the, the Sheep Gate. It was a pool that was near the Sheep Gate, and in Hebrew it was called Bethesda. And it had five particles. And what, ha- what happened was people would come there, the sick, you know, the ill, the blind, the lame, crippled. And they would wait for, they would call it an angel to stir the water. It's probably what we might call today a hot spring or of a natural hot spring or some kind of phenomenon like that. And indeed, those things can be curative in their own way. Well, there was a particular man who was there for 38 years who never had a chance to enter into the water. And Jesus comes upon him. Now, what's significant about this, as always, in John's Gospel it's always in the details. You know, there's a saying, the devil's in the details. Well, I like to say also that God, the truth, the message is in the details when it comes to Scripture, especially John's gospel. And we have this encounter where the man is there for 38 years, and Jesus comes up to him and he says, do you want to be well? And the sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm on my way, someone else gets down there before me. And you notice something. He did not answer Jesus' question. Jesus asked him very simple, do you want to get well? Now, what did he do? What he did was he exposed something which I think is 
a very common malady for our day. And this is where we're going to get into how the Byzantine liturgy, the Eastern spirituality, is very, very relevant for us for our health, health of body and soul, mind, body, soul, our whole being. The thing that the man is presenting is what we might call today a certain codependency. Now, this is a basically a kind of a psychological disorder, psychological malady, which is very common today. But notice how he responds. He responds by pointing fingers, by excuses. He does not say to Jesus, yes, yes, I want to be cured. Can you help me? He starts to complain. He starts to give excuses. He blames other people. Imagine 38 years he was there. You think he would have done something, rolled over and fell in or something, but he was dependent upon and made himself be dependent upon other people. And when they didn't come through, he tended to kind of blame them. This is what we call codependency. There's another aspect that comes from the scripture too. This is from Proverbs chapter 12. And it says this, that anxiety in a man's heart depresses it, but a kindly word makes it glad. It's one of my favorites from Proverbs, because again, I think it's very relevant. Anxiety, anxiety. We know about that from psychology. Anxiety in a man's heart depresses it, but a kindly word makes it glad. In other words, anxiety is related to fear. Fear is a spiritual malady, which manifests itself also in a psychological malady and also in a physical malady. So my point here is this. The Eastern approach to health is very, very strong on the idea of an integrated approach. In other words, that we are psychosomatic beings. In other words, our body, mind, heart, soul, spirit are intimately united. They're separate entities, but they are inseparable. So what you do for one, you do for the other. What affects one affects the other. And this is why during our prayers, we always, always say, for the healing of soul and body. When the priest anoints someone with anointing of the sick, you know, the seventh sacrament, he always says, for the healing of soul and body, or the forgiveness of sins. See, there is no healing physically unless there is also the healing spiritually and vice versa. Many of our maladies today come from lifestyles. In other words, the three, in fact, the three biggest killers, causes of death in our culture today heart disease, cancer, and diabetes are largely lifestyle-based. And lifestyles are a function of spirituality. So if we go into the spirituality at the same time, not at different times, at the same time, we're journeying into the physical aspect of us for healing. And this gospel story reveals that and it's brought out through the liturgy. There's another quote from the liturgy. The Young man, so the old, or the, I don't know if he was young, but he was there for 38 years, so he couldn't be too young. But he says, I have spent my money on physicians and received no help from anyone. So again, he's talking about how human ways, human cures were not enough. They just didn't work. And I'm sure many of you have discovered that. We often do discover that. We've made great strides in medicine in many ways, but at the same time, what really heals. What really heals is faith, is Jesus Christ, and living the life of Christ. That's what we call Christ the divine healer. Now, when Christ responds, what does he say? He says, okay. He didn't say, okay, I'll go get somebody and help you out there. Just let me get a few people to help you out there, and I'll get you down that water, and I'll, I'll say a few prayers over you, and you'll be okay. How does he respond to this man's codependency, to his psychological anxiety? In other words, to his physical condition but at the same time, his psycho-spiritual condition. In other words, how did Jesus respond to his psychosomatic condition that was sick? Jesus says, rise, take up your mat, and walk. That's it. Rise, 
take up your mat and walk. In other words, he cuts right to the chase, right to the core. It's almost like he was, he was like being no nonsense. That's how I interpret this. It's amazing how few words, how Jesus responds. He didn't discuss it with him. He didn't say, can you tell me more about that? How do you feel about that? Gee, isn't it a shame that people don't care enough? He didn't go into any of that. He just said, he responds very, very short almost. Rise, take up your mat, and walk. And the scripture says, immediately the man became well, took up his mat, and walked. And in fact, in the liturgy, we have an interesting way of saying it. We're saying that, O Lord, the pool did not heal the paralytic, but your word renewed him. His many years of sickness could not hinder your power. Your voice held more authority over him than his infirmity. He threw away the burden of his sickness and carried the weight of his bed. A testimony to your abundant compassion. Glory to you, O Lord. I like that line. This is from the prayers from the week of the Sunday of the Paralytic in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. It says, He threw away the burden of his sickness and carried the weight of his bed. That thing which was a testimony to his weakness, his codependency, his disorder, he now takes it and carries it almost like a trophy. It now is a symbol of victory. He has power over it. And this ultimately is our healing. Our healing is to move beyond anything that we allow to have power over us. And so oftentimes physical maladies are as a result of demons and false gods that we allow to have power over us in the psychological and spiritual realm. And so this is why in the Eastern Church in particular, when we talk about healing, we always do so in that psychosomatic way, that both-and way, the healing of soul and body, of forgiveness of sins, and the healing of physical maladies. Now, Kenny's going to share with us some information that's going to illustrate how we can take this spirituality so strong in the liturgy of the Byzantine Church and in the Scriptures into something very, very relevant today. There's all kinds of facts and figures I think you'll enjoy. That's right. It's about Americans over-medicating, and it's from an article by Dr. Keith and Lori Nemec from the TotalHealthInstitute.com. It says, about 130 million Americans swallow, inject, inhale, infuse, spray, and pad on prescribed medications every month, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention indicates. Americans buy much more medicine per person than any other country in the world. The number of prescriptions has grown by two-thirds over the past decade to $3.5 billion yearly, according to IMS Health, a pharmaceutical consulting company. Americans consume even more non-prescription drugs, polling suggests. Recently, safety questions have beset some depression and anti-inflammatory drugs, pushing pain relievers, Vioxx, and most recently, Bextra from the market. Rising ranks of doctors, researchers, and public health experts are saying that America is over-medicating itself. It is buying and taking far too much medicine too readily and carelessly for its own health and wealth, they say. Well over 125,000 Americans die from drug reactions and mistakes each year, according to the Associated Press projections from landmark medical studies of the 1990s. That could make pharmaceuticals the fourth leading national cause of death and heart disease. That could make pharmaceuticals the fourth leading national cause of death after heart disease, cancer, and stroke. The pharmaceutical industry served up more than $250 billion worth of sales last year, the vast majority in prescriptions, according to industry consultants. That is about $850 spent on drugs for every American. Okay, now, we present what Kenny just read. We present these kinds of facts and statistics at our parish. In fact, we call this the Annunciation Parish Real Healthcare Plan. And it's based on the very thing that we're saying today, and we're hearing from the scripture and from the liturgy. It's based on a more Eucharistic model. In other words, we're saying that, like the man in the gospel, 
we have to become less and less codependent upon purely man-made solutions to our health. Yes, we need medicine when it's needed, but the point is we should rely more and more on a deepening understanding of ourselves as a human being in our psychosomatic condition. In other words, how we actually work, what our needs are, mind, body, soul, spirit, our entire being, knowing that ultimately it is Christ who heals us, meaning that living according to Christ, putting faith in Christ, honoring our bodies as temple of the Holy Spirit, things like this are what ultimately heal and cure us. Yes, the man-made medicines can be helpful, but like the man in the gospel, the paralytic in this gospel story today, the goal is not to be codependent, but rather to be dependent upon Jesus Christ, the ultimate physician and healer. This is the message in the Byzantine Church today on the Sunday of the Paralytic. Thank you for listening. Once again, I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Christ has risen. Indeed, he is risen. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>